Welcome to On My Own Dime. I'm your host, Jason McCormack. We are now available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Also, a big new feature is here. Leave a voicemail, just like a traditional radio show. If you want to give me a shout out, I would enjoy hearing from some listeners. So please use that if you feel inclined. Of course, a traditional written review would be generous as well. Today, I'm talking with a friend I met in a sync licensing music production group called That Pitch. Her name is Zenya. Originally from Russia, she now lives in Athens, Greece. We're talking about music production, songwriting, and sync licensing. That's enough spoilers. Let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Zenya. Okay, uh, let's get started then. I am Xenia and uh, I am Russian. Currently, I live and work in Greece. Actually, I've been doing that for quite some time. And um, I do lots of work outside of Greece as well. And uh, a few years ago, like about five years ago, I started being really interested in, to, in writing for sync and licensing. And uh, so I started doing that. And I really do enjoy it because it uh, eliminates some things <laughs> from the whole process. Um, that, uh, I don't know, it's it just that you're fully responsible for what you do. Like you're 100% responsible for what you do and from start to finish. And probably that's what I like about it the most. Is there something that you like better about writing for sync than producing? Uh, it gives you lots of freedom. Uh, when you work as a producer, when you work with a singer, it's a different kind of fun because you do work with different people and some of them are fun to work with. Uh, some of them not that much, <laughs> but, but lots of artists are lots of fun to work with. Uh, but you have to lose um, your Practically, you have to be completely selfless when you work uh, for an artist because it's all about the song and it's all about the artist. Uh, but when you do your personal stuff and when you write music, like, for example, cinematic music, there is lots of... Um, emotional conversation that is happening where you are fully responsible for the message and the way it will, uh, uh, you know, leave, leave your studio and leave your mind. I don't know what not. I, I hope you can understand what I mean. Yes. Whatever you release, it's a direct reflection of you. And so your, your name's always attached to that. And it's, it's purely just your work. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. And, um, Again, I do love working with artists, uh, but I do love working all by myself and doing these uh, crazy things like uh, writing, mixing, mastering, and doing everything in a day. Uh, it, it's sometimes it's exciting just by how <laughs> uh, what's the word. Um, uh, you're just you're super anxious <laughs> you feel this pressure and that is this incredible relief when you manage to do it and it doesn't suck and it's like yes and you feel very powerful after that and I don't know it's um, it motivates me to do more <laughs> to be more organized to be more efficient and uh, yeah I like it organization is such an important aspect of writing for sync because we deal with these massive libraries 
and there's so many choices for what kind of snare or kick or keyboard sound you can use. Sometimes I get decision paralysis just trying to choose like what textures I want in each song. Yeah, exactly, totally. And um, about the instruments, uh, see, this kind of pressure also allows you to think into your future, <laughs> you know, to keep your sanity. So uh, at some point you kind of have a set of instruments that do work. Uh, and um, But depending on the project, you still have to, especially when it comes to cinematic stuff and like strings, uh, it's all about automation. And that's where you spend, I, I don't know, I spend lots of time there because that's what makes it real, you know, the dynamics, the all this um, difference in volume and the breathing. And yes, that takes time. <laughs> yeah, I remember working with a string instrument that it wouldn't really do the, the proper dynamics unless you matched the modulation and the volume automation. So I was spending a lot of time duplicating that stuff and... It was sucking the life out of me. It was taking so long. And then, of course, afterwards, I'm wondering, like, was that really worth, like, was that an efficient use of my time? Did it make that big of a difference? Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, sometimes I'm thinking, because it happens uh, when you work for a very long time on something and you spend so much energy and the next morning you wake up and, uh, and you you just understand that it sucks. And... Uh, and then I'm just being kind to myself and I'm saying, well, you know, it was a process and process is very important, sometimes more important than the result. And uh, during this process, I learned uh, something, <laughs> whatever that was. And yeah, so I don't know. Um, I think we as musicians and producers sometimes are not very kind to ourselves. We're, we're destroying our psychology by just uh, not being confident. So, yeah, I think that uh, you can look at the positive side of whatever happens. If Even if what you did wasn't successful, you can still figure something out. And what I usually do as well, and as an advice for other people, maybe it will be useful, um, Sometimes if something didn't work out, I just put it into uh, the, a particular folder where I keep all of the projects that just need more work. And I might come back after one year and find something inside of that project that sucked, just like throw away maybe half of it and just work uh, more and just maybe take a cinematic track and make it into a rock song or take a rock song and make it into a cinematic track. That actually happened. Um, and it works. So, yeah. I really like that approach because instead of just throwing your ideas out, sometimes maybe the thing that's missing is just a different point of view or a different perspective. And if you let some time pass, maybe it's just a new experience that you had to have that will give you that different perspective, which gives you the idea to try it in a different style and ultimately come out with a more polished track. Yes. It's a good thing to have a lot of ideas on standby as well, because with sync licensing, you can see like 40 different opportunities in 35 different genres sometimes. So that could be tricky to navigate as well, where... You know, if you're trying to find what your sound is or if you have a few different styles that you like writing in, then you have to sort of figure out what you're not so good at and what you 
are good at. And it can be kind of hard not to beat yourself up when you were experimenting with different styles and realizing what you're not good at. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You know, uh, self-criticism is important and understanding when you suck is also very important because um, it is important. But as you said before, it is important not to beat yourself up uh, and find something useful out of the whole process because it's like everything in life. We have to go through some mistakes to learn something from them. Otherwise, it will be just boring. And sometimes, especially the artists that just start and uh, most of people that love music, love, love um, different types of genres. And it's difficult for them to say, okay, so now I'm this type of artist or I'm that type of artist, or I would like to produce R&B only. And we rarely produce only one thing, actually. Um, we are, it's very rare to be good at everything. So yeah, but it's good to understand what you're good at, and what you are not good at. And the only way to do that is through trying. So do you think that an artist necessarily has to commit to a specific style? Because there's a lot out there right now saying that artists should really focus on a specific style and develop a style and stick with it rather than experimenting too much because then people may not necessarily understand what it is you do. Like there may be a lack of clarity as to what you can do for them, what you have to offer basically, which I think is frustrating because most of us don't just do one style of music. We want to be doing different things, different styles. We don't want to just work from the same template and reproduce the same track over and over it in different variations, you know? And aside from that, our career should be a long career and our sound should mature and evolve as we learn and as we grow. So I, don't, I just don't see how everyone could be expected to just do one style. I agree completely. And uh, I also think, to add to what you said right now, um, I also think that we learn from other styles of music. Uh, last week I did lo-fi tunes for that pitch uh, and that was the first time in my life. And through that process, I actually figured out some other things that I know for sure I will use in some other projects, like some drums that were not perfectly quantized. And I really loved the whole idea of not perfectly quantized drums. And uh, some, I was experimenting with some sounds too. <laughs> so, so I've remembered about some plugins that I haven't been using for a while. And so it, I don't know, it's it just in music, everything helps. Any experience that you have in life helps. Any kind of new style that you discover helps. And um, yeah, for sure, I'm not going to be a lo-fi artist and um uh, that but but i can do it and through doing that i discovered more things and i learned more things and i'm very happy about it so no sticking to one thing maybe works for some people with me i think i'll just die of boredom and I won't, I will stop being cre creative because I need to get energy from somewhere else and do something else. And I think that creative people in general, 
are creative in everything, in lots of things. And lots of musicians, lots of producers, they have hobbies, right? And these hobbies probably influence the way they treat music or what they bring into music. I mean, even the books that we read, even movies that we see, sometimes it inspires us to do something else. So, no, I guess I will stick to your point of view and I would agree with you that keeping your mind open is what gives you a long career. Absolutely. And what we do outside of music certainly influences what we're writing. I mean, that's where all these metaphors come from in lyrics and in music. So I want to circle back. Can you share with us an example of a time when you came back to a song that you set aside and tell us how you thought of it differently and how you finished it? Yeah, I remember one of the tunes. I came back to it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. But I really like the cello melody. And I just did the whole new thing out of an instrument that was an additional instrument to the whole project. So, yeah, whatever works. And just having some ideas lying around here and there or better organized in some kind of a folder uh, <laughs> always helps especially like you what you said I haven't thought about it because sometimes I have when I have the writer's blog, blog or something like that I am usually listening to lots of music or I'm just doing something else and uh, just try to switch my mind into something else and not think about writing, music, nothing. Just, I don't know, go to the sea, meet up with friends, drink some coffee, whatnot. Just not think about anything. And and then it just, you get unstuck. Yeah, I think the important thing is coming back to it fresh. Yeah, the whole idea there is to forget what you wrote so that you can look at what you did from, you know, at, like so that it's alien to you, so that it's not yours, so that it doesn't feel like you wrote it anymore so that it's easier for you to throw things away. Yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes when I get those, <clears throat> when I look through my folder, I have a lot of unfinished ideas and I start to think that it's hard sometimes to know when an idea is finished or when something's worth really spending more time on. Oh my God, yes. Because <laughs> at the end of it, like, I feel like I could make every single idea into like five different genres and just figure out what works best by doing it all, you know? I think that's pretty common. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, so true, so true. I do this all the time. Unfortunately, on some projects, you don't have the time to do that. Uh, but if it's a more uh, relaxed project, then I totally do that. And you know what else helps to have some people you trust? People you really trust, people that would not criticize and people that are willing to help you, uh, that would give you some criticism on what you do, but will not criticize you. Uh, because I have some friends that are walking around and just showing their stuff to other musicians and they get like 100 comments and they are all different from different musicians because these musicians think what I would do different on this and how would I do it better. So they are not actually thinking about the project or the song. They are just being a little bit more selfish when it comes to, you know, so it's not like a critical listening when they come to it. And... 
Uh, I fortunately have several people that I trust completely because I know that they will tell me, well, look, it's nice, but here maybe, maybe it's a good idea, you know, here to clean up that part or something like that. And that helps as well, especially if you are working on something you have to finish like in three days. So if you have like a person, a friend, musician friend that you trust that can just, just a fresh pair of ears there for you. Yeah, that's definitely helpful. I have a few people now that I rely on for that. Um, and I remember going when I was younger and I was an engineer, I remember bringing projects to people and finding out that it can kind of go either way. Like you may get some, you may find somebody that you can really count on to give you some constructive feedback, but you will also find people who will give you feedback that's not constructive at all. Um, and so if it just becomes somebody kind of bashing your work, that's really not very helpful. And I've found that like when I get into those situations, if I can just kind of nod my head and let them say what they have to say and move on, that's just the fastest way through it. So I can move on and know that I need to find somebody else to help me out with it. Yeah, yeah, that that's also a good attitude. And this one is not to uh be sucked into these kind of discussions exactly this is the right attitude saying like oh thank you very much that was useful as hell goodbye <laughs> Just. yeah yeah one of the things i like about being part of that pitch was the feedback sessions there were very constructive like there's a lot of support there where people are saying this is great this is great uh, maybe you could turn this up a little bit or layer some keyboard beds or some kind of synthesizer beds underneath that to make the sound a little more rich but all of the feedback's constructive there's also like a flip side to that like i feel discouraged sometimes as well when i first started and i started seeing that there were some people who are pitching like so many more tracks per month than me like 40 tracks per month and i'm pitching like two and or, or maybe like a, a month for me that goes very well i've pitched like five and so i started to feel like i was out of my league so to speak or just comparing myself which in any creative field is not a good thing to be doing but then once i started learning people's backgrounds and realizing that a lot of it had to do with the fact that they had a lot of material already done and they were just reorganizing it and kind of making a very efficient system for pitching, not just like cranking out volume every month. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, when I heard some names in there, the monsters, <laughs> I call them the monsters, uh, they were pitching like 39 songs. Ooh, 39 only. Okay, I did 62 this month. So <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, even, but... What I wanted to say that they're still monsters for me. And it's not just about the amazing ways they organize their stuff, but it's still, you know, it still takes time to release into these tracks. It still takes time to maybe remix them. And uh, I know that lots of these guys, they're not just organized with their projects, but they are organized inside of the projects. So they have, uh, like, if it's a rock song, they have some stuff that is pre-organized for the project to uh, write and produce a rock song so that they don't have to look for sounds, they don't have to look for libraries. And okay, you might 
might occasionally look for a particular sound, but they have everything inside of the projects also organized, which saves time. I've started doing that for cinematic tracks because each and every time I was looking where the hell were these flautando violins. And I couldn't remember because I have lots of different uh, violin samples and stuff. And I couldn't find that particular one, which I needed for several projects. And so slowly, slowly, that was one example. There are many of these kind of occasions. Uh, and so slowly, slowly, I started to organize things. Now I know where everything is, which saves a lot of time. And yes, it takes time to organize things, but it saves in the long term, it saves so much time. So yeah. Yeah, you're like describing refining a process, you know, like rehearsing the perfect production schedule, essentially, which looks like basically going through and methodically removing any of these tiny barriers that derails your vibe when you're trying to write music. For me, the, mo the most tedious thing is just like searching for the right sound. I think that's the same for a lot of people or searching for, you know, something that's missing and trying to find that. Um, but a lot of that can be resolved if you really methodically work through building templates. True. And the same thing also with the plugins, um, because there are some sets of plugins that I just like using and I can save the insert preset that I have some instruments that I use same plugins for them. Okay, I will, of course, change uh, the way the equalizer behaves, the way... But I use practically, like, I use one of the same EQ for the violins, same compressor, same some kind of, like, tape saturator or something like that. And just not to click over and over, boom, you insert uh, the preset that you have for plugins and you have your, I don't know, five, seven plugins all there. So you don't have to scroll through the list, the list of plugins and put them in one by one. You know, speaking of like lists and lists of plugins, um, another thing that I've had trouble with sorting through was how to get everything out onto an external drive and manage having all these different libraries uh, of instruments to work with. Yeah. And uh, again, the, it's good to make mistakes because like, for example, I made a mistake of uh, getting an external hard drive that uh, I was carrying here and there and it died and um, I lost lots of work. So I started uh, doing the backups with Backblaze, for example, now I can sleep peacefully. So even this kind of stuff, which is also... Uh, a way of organizing your stuff, like doing backups and making sure, well, now because I'm doing it through Backblaze, they are making sure that every day all of the new information that is on my PC is being backed up. Uh, so backups <laughs> as part of you being organized is a huge thing. Actually, you know, uh, I learned it from Enoch, from that pitch again. So this community is priceless. I got it from him because um, the interesting part about Backblaze was that in comparison with all of the other services like Dropbox and uh, what I can't remember anything else but Dropbox, but there are lots of them. Uh, Backblaze doesn't have a restriction of how much stuff you can have backed up. For you to imagine, I have eight terabyte backed up now with Backblaze for the same price. Does that back up your libraries? Uh, 
I have backed up my whole PC plus external hard drives. It backs up everything except the system disk, so it just doesn't do the system backup. Okay, so you essentially have copies of everything, redundant copies of everything. Exactly. And you don't worry about, you know, how much stuff, how much space you still have there, and there is no extra charge. And um, as much as you want, whatever external hard drives you have, you can plug them in once a month and uh, we'll just update the information and that's it. And it does it automatically. And I'm not being paid for this, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm doing such a good work of advertising yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should get paid by them. I wish I was. I'm not getting paid either. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of like managing all of that massive amount of audio and just general data from session files and all that, um, I know I've tried it before and I have friends that have tried it. Have you ever tried like restricting yourself to just a limited amount of tools to see what happens as like a, a like to help? get the ball rolling on the creative process and help kind of remove some of the distractions? Yes, I do. For example, I have one project where I said to myself, and actually it's a song that came out. Um, I said to myself, okay, so for this song, I will be producing only with one synth. And that was uh, FM8, I think. Uh, so I will just like study the scenes well and produce everything using just that. Well, I did use some samples for drums, um, but uh, but most of the, not most of the, all of the other sounds, except for drums, are with uh, this particular synthesizer. And that is also another way to actually broaden your creativity and some ideas because you restrict yourself in some way. That is one of the <laughs> ways to do some experimenting. Yeah, I actually enjoy it so much that I've scaled back a lot. Like I've unsubscribed from uh, Composer Cloud because I just it's just more tools than I'm ever going to use um, until maybe the day that I'm full time. And I actually really enjoy finding smaller sample packs from like small producers or independent producers. Um, and I find it kind of easier to navigate because there's fewer things to work with. And so I can get where I'm going faster with my ideas um, because there are limitations built in. But a lot of times I'm pleasantly surprised. Like there's some really good quality, small sample packs out there from independent producers. And it helps make my productions fun again, instead of feeling like I'm digging through piles and piles of audio samples that aren't what I'm looking for. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. And sometimes it's also, it's very, uh, uh, it takes so much time to look through stuff, especially when you are experimenting and looking for something new, for something dope or something that would inspire you. And you are just clicking from one sound to another, to another, to another, and nothing seems to I don't know. Yeah, it, it can be very frustrating because you might... Uh, it happened with me when I spent, I think, three hours looking for the perfect snare. And that day I didn't get it. <laughs> I gave up. That's all for part one. Come on back next week as we continue the conversation. I hope somebody leaves me a shout out or a question on the new voicemail feature. Can't wait to hear from some listeners. 
As always, thanks for joining me and have a great week out there on planet Earth. <laughs>